0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community.
1: Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we journey through the car care industry. You can find me and Nick on most platforms at Hyperclean Store. Best way to get in touch, though, go be a part of the HyperClean Specialist group on Facebook or shoot us a text direct. 918-800-1188. And Nick, I am diving into Breckenridge Brewery Juicy Dr. Imperial Hazy IPA. That's a mouthful, oh. whether you like it or not.
2: Jeez, uh, O.P. And that's the problem with the IPA world right there. Just name it something normal, dog. Trying to do too much on your can. Juicy Dr.
1: <laughs> i had a good uh a good ipa the other day it was a juicy ipa from a local craft brewery it was a lot of fun then. i had to go back and get some more of those they were quite delicious it's always fun when you find a, a new little brewery to go grab some beers from oh wait you don't know about that no. never mind
0: never no. mind never mind
1: no. uh all right so let's get into some buying and selling this would be a fun one I, I know for me because it's a definitely an interesting one i and I never imagined that I would be buying, well, him, I guess, is what I, I'm doing. So we we as a family, right? I'm a I'm a week and a half into uh this marital bliss and I'm a I'm a trained veteran by now. And we decide, you know what, we need to start doing some things that we want to enjoy together and learning and and watching some things that we can learn from. So we wanted to start watching documentaries have a couple hours at the end of the night on a weekend, hang out, watch a documentary. Well, it's quite, quite interesting. When you get into some of these documentaries, we did some food ones, we did some other stuff, but you know, there's a, there's a certain documentary that if you watch it from the outside, looking in, you might go, wow, this is a, uh, this is pretty fascinating. It's really amazing the way that uh, you can set up a program, you can go through it, and it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's about how they design and their whole like big weekends of setting up, well, it's in a sense of training, goal training, and it's in a sense of, of growing your business. Now, I, when I told you about him, you were pretty amazed, right? He's he's done Oprah, He's he's gone and... Then Goals, you actually enjoy the speaker, right?
2: Yeah, you haven't said his name yet. So I haven't. I was hoping you'd yeah. help me out. Yeah, Tony Robbins. Yeah. I mean, come on. You said Everybody. he was one of your favorite guys. <laughs> I know, I never said that. Hey. Uh, secondly, uh, I said he was a good speaker. That's what I said. And then, you know, let's not, you know, put judgment on anyone else here. First of all, you brought your marriage up in the first five seconds of the show And secondly, you're talking about a documentary you watched. So I don't know how this is put on me when you're the one that did all this.
1: Well, because you raved about how amazing he was. And I know there's so many other people that would be raving also. I didn't really know much about Mr. Tony. And it is fascinating. I just want everybody to go watch it. So I'm buying his documentary. And I want you to sit and watch the way they lay everything out. I want you to watch how much goes on involved. I want you to watch... who comes into these little meetings, the way they have it set up, and then magically they're, they're doing this breakdown of who they are. And, and he has this really, I mean, it's impressive. It really is impressive. I had no idea really much about the way he did it. If you just watch it, you understand why you should put as much effort, energy, look into everything that this guy does and puts into it. He gives his whole entire life into it. and says that he loves it, and that's what he wants to do. And I think that's what I'm buying overall was how much effort and energy it took for him to pull that off. But it wasn't just some hocus pocus trick. He didn't just pull these people out of thin air. It was all, I wouldn't say staged. I'm not going to say that. It was all programmed, timed, just spelled out beautifully. So, you know, whether or not he does Oprah or not, I don't know. But good documentary.
2: Just an FYI, you're the one that brought it up. So I don't know how he's my guy. But, uh yeah, my my buy this week, actually, uh, I, I'm going to buy something is that I think we start, we're starting to see the world cool off when it comes to cars. And, and you know, for anybody paying attention to our, our detailed car collection episodes, we've been kind of waiting for this, right? We, we kind of need the world to normalize a little bit, and that kind of thing. So I had a buddy of mine who I told to sell his truck, he ended up losing several thousand dollars by waiting to sell his truck just a few weeks. And I saw him this weekend and he goes, Oh, you know, I can't believe, you know, I lost that money. I, I didn't even need the truck. I, I, I could have sold it weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing that kind of is always great to see in what I'm buying. I'm buying that aha moment of dude, I told you, you know what I mean? Like when you look at one of your buddies and you go, this is what I do all day, every day. I wasn't just saying it for effect. We weren't just talking over some beers about some bullshit neither one of us knew about. Like, I actually shared the information because I knew you were looking to sell your truck. So he cost himself quite a few thousand dollars. And he had that aha moment of, hey, you know, Nick kind of spends his time on this. Maybe I should have got to the dealership. And that that's the, the car market right now. I mean, a few weeks can... There's a car I'm keeping my eye on that's dropped almost $6,000 in the past three weeks. Uh, Something's happening to certain vehicles. Other vehicles are going to be through the roof because they're harder to get. But we're in a place now that I'm kind of buying if you're smart and you know what you're doing, we could be seeing a massive dip in certain vehicles. And, you know, (laughs) unfortunately for him, large, massive SUVs and trucks, they're taking the biggest dip because of the gas prices. So, it's kind of one of those things that I'm buying is when you see one of your buddies have that aha moment of, yeah, I should have listened.
1: Have you seen that before? Maybe that's how you knew it, that
2: as gas prices go up, SUVs go down. 100%. I, I, once I saw it, I was like, any idiot that's been through high gas prices knows that every dealership's going to get flooded with massive SUVs. And magically, electric cars are going to be ordered at a high level. And so now the fluctuation in price of those has gone up by the time you get that electric car gas will probably be down lower and you won't need that electric vehicle. So I, yeah, I mean, anybody that has watched the car market knows gas prices directly affect large diesel trucks, large gas trucks, and large SUVs. I mean, it's not rocket science.
1: All right. So the rest of my weekend was spent being just an amazing, uh, you know, husband, uh, I'm just an incredible,
2: you know, um, We're wondering what the world record is in, in a podcast of bringing up that you got married. I, I don't know. It's got to be pretty close. You got to be approaching it quickly.
1: <laughs> it's not so much about me getting married; it's about how amazing I am as a as a husband. Really, I, I guess I should just go ahead and buy that for myself. Yeah. But no, uh, was was actually now interacting with the stepson, right? And I had the stepson's friend spend the night and all this and Wow, I I don't know about you, Nick, but. Mm, Actually, I know you didn't, but you should have. Really, you should have spent a large amount of time this weekend on the new Fortnite uh, series that got launched. And just The new map came out, and listen, I, I should have just bought Fortnite. That's what I should have done. I should have bought yeah. Fortnite. No build is what they're doing. It's a no build wow. thing. And all these kids are playing, and I go, hey, what do you guys need? They needed this new skin. They needed this whatever. It's a, You buy this monthly thing, and you get something, right? You just go, okay, whatever. But you're going to have to go out and fill some holes because your fucking dog has ripped through the yard. It's it's scraped up under things. It's got these massive holes. And this dog's about this big, but it has holes that are three times its size. So as a nice old motherfucker as I am, I go, hey, why don't you go fill the holes and then I'll buy your little thing that you need. Great. Right. Makes sense. So I go start to my yard work, but that means I got to pour a beer first. By the time I get my beer poured, they're already coming in saying they're finished. How many times did you as a kid get things done like this? And your dad goes, oh, uh, yeah, right. Right. So that's where I got to be. I was like, yeah, right, motherfucker. Let's go see. They had taken clover and stuffed clover underneath the parts of the fence that the dock had built. And that was going to be their answer of pulling clover and sticking in there. So. We have the process of actually, let's come into a theory of how you can get this done. Now, fortunately, they start paying attention a little bit. At the end, they get a shovel. But for the most majority of this time, I laugh because they're taking handfuls of sand and going all the way across the yard to go put into a hole. Now you go, oh, why are you using sand? I mean, it's raining today in Oklahoma. It's not going to, hey, listen, don't. You know, did will the dog dig through the sand? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy. Let's not let's not address that yet. It was that they were carrying sand from one side of the yard to the other by their little handfuls. And then they said they were done. And I just laughed again. I said, you got about another hour. So they start running. Right? So then it's let me hack handfuls of sand and run across the yard. And they said, we'll get it done in 30 minutes things that you could know and do differently by understanding, watching, asking questions, well, being more involved, having your eyes wide open, etc. right? Those are the things that I find to be interesting when you're working with kids, as well as when you're growing in business, things that you could do if you were paying attention, right? If they were paying attention more, that knew a little bit more from asking the right questions or talking to the right people. Now, listen, I, I told him, I said, guys, I'm not a professional hole filler, but I might use that shovel over there. I might pick up the sand and do that. Just, to, just that, right. If they would have been paying attention, how fast would they have gotten it done? How much quicker they would have done how much more video games would they have gotten to play if they would have just paid a little bit of attention? So that'll be a fun little thing to let's hop back and forth as you've been with customers 20 plus years. I've had customers 20 plus years. Things that, unless preface, there's times probably for you, for me, I've actually gone in and made appointments with customers because I've seen the way they interacted with others or seen the way they did business. And I just had a couple of questions that I wanted to ask them if I could schedule some time with them and their schedule permitted. And I went to their secretary and I got my appointments and I went through what needed to be done so I could get the right info because I paid attention to everything going on. So, hmm. Ways that detailers could pay attention to their customers because you and I have seen something. Well, no doubt that, as you just said, SUVs should be on the downfall. Some detailers are buying SUVs. (laughs) Some detailers are buying, well, we've had some, which is fortunately, uh, some in the community that question, should I buy a boat? And then they decided not to. Good good decision, right? But some detailers are buying big purchases going into these moments, whereas if they would have been paying attention to gas prices, they would have gone, oh, no wonder that SUV is a little bit lower because I'm spending five bucks a gallon on gas, right? Chop that back up and forth. What are some things that you've seen that, well, why should we or shouldn't we buy
2: big things or not buy big things? Well, I, I think what's happening in in my business, and, and I say this to my my team all the time, is if if you're around successful people, which you know, again, if you start growing a detailing business, you're not really detailing people with no money, right? Most people that purchase detailing have some success, uh, whether that be middle class, upper middle class, or extremely wealthy. Uh, you know, when I look at what my extremely wealthy clients do, they value their time more than anything else. They they know. Uh, that their time is, is, is of the essence, right? In their business or whatever. But I think one of the things that I tell my guys all the time is just watch their habits. They don't, my really wealthy clients have enough money for 10 generations of their, of their own family. I mean, they don't have to worry about daily bills or whatever, but if you pay attention to them, They work out at the same time. They leave for work at the same time. They're not taking massive amounts of time off. They get their time off and they will go out to their uh, boat or their yacht or they'll go on a family vacation. I'm not saying they don't do those things, but if you just pay attention to the simple stuff, you don't ever have to talk to your client that's super wealthy. You can just watch their habits. Think about that somebody that's got a lot of money and they're up before you and they're out at work before you are. And you go, huh, this guy comes home after me. I'm at home, i.e. Marty, celebrating Fortnite.
0: Oh, yeah. This guy
2: has never even played Fortnite, never turned on a PS5, can afford a thousand of them, or own Sony. Who knows? Yeah, he might. But I think if you pay attention to really successful people, I think the one thing you'll pick up on is if that person's outworking me and they have a billion in the bank, I gotta take a look at what I'm doing. Because they have every reason not to work harder than you. And it seemingly, all my successful clients work really hard and really intelligently every single day. And that kind of level of paying attention, I think, often gets overlooked when you get access to successful people. You don't have to necessarily talk to them. You can do anything that you want. Just watching And opening your ears and watching the things they do, I think, has been the most valuable thing I've gotten access to in my career.
0: Uh, So you're going to say schedule would be the biggest thing that you've seen, though?
2: Schedule and understanding the moment. They also, my clients aren't going to, it's a pretty easy theory, I guess. This is what you would say. When everybody's selling, you buy. And when everybody's buying, you're selling. That's how you're going to actually, most of the time, time the market as best you can, right? So now if everybody is selling big SUVs and the price is dropping like a rock, which is not dropping like a rock, but it's dropping. Let's say it's cut in half and you need a big SUV for your family or you've always wanted one. I can buy one at 50% off and I have the capital and now I get one 50% off. Who cares about $5 a gallon? Because I know the price of gas is going to go down relatively quickly, probably in this in the spirit of time, if it goes down in the next year and a half, two years, that's a pretty quick time. But look, they didn't buy an SUV when the market was hot. They bought an SUV when the market was super low and they got a deal on it. Still a new SUV. They just don't panic. They don't, you know, we, we shared a story where we know a guy that a detailer who went out and bought all these toys. Well, he bought them from a guy that had been in business 20 or 30 years. And the guy that was selling them to him, Was selling his toys. What does that tell you? You're new in business. You're buying all the toys while this guy's selling all the toys. He's been in business 20, 30 years. The light bulb never went off. Uh oh, I'm in a wrong moment. I'm doing the wrong thing. And again, you can do whatever you want with your money. We're just giving you things that we've picked up on. You know, everybody can spend their money how they want.
1: You can. And what about their time? Because you also mentioned time, right? Like, how much time should we invest? When you look at your clientele, because well, we've had episodes where somebody tells us you should only work five days a week and then take two days off. Right? You should. Corona comes. You should close down your doors and go for a hike. Right? But you're going to be a millionaire. So, how much time should we be investing into our business versus things that have meaning or non-meaningful things? How do we? How do we look yeah, at? time and in relevancy to meaning and,
2: and working it on our business versus other things that we might want to do. Yeah, that's going to be everybody individual. The only thing I can ever give advice on is what I did. I mean, I don't know what everyone else does. But I know what my super successful customers do. And it looks a lot like what I've done. Not because I knew exactly what they were doing, but because it just seems to be kind of across the board. There's going to be a period of time in your business. And that could be Two years for somebody, or that could be 10 years for somebody, where you got to get the business off the ground. And every business takes a little bit of time for that person to get it off the ground. I mean, I know people that have worked their tail off for two years and in the three-year mark on, they've had a pretty normal schedule. Like you said, five days on, two days off. I know somebody like myself. I I had a seven, eight-year period when I started my business that I didn't take vacations, that I that I, you know, worked anywhere between 12 to 16 hours a day. And I didn't hate that I did that. It wasn't like a badge of honor either. I just did what I thought was necessary to be successful. I gave up relationships. I gave up friendships. I gave up all that stuff because I wanted to be where I'm at today. And that's the only way I knew to make it happen. And the funny thing is when I talk to my ultra successful customers, they also tell me about their period of time that they did that. Yeah, the first seven years of my business was this way. The first 12 years, I mean, I had a customer tell me the first 21 years of his business and the things that he did. I mean, this guy's a billionaire. So was the 21 years well spent? Probably. I mean, but everybody's going to be different. But the idea that you're not going to sacrifice time or you're going to start a business at 22 and you're going to work five days a week and two days off and magically you're going to be some kind of millionaire. I mean, even when we heard that and it was questioned, that story didn't kind of check out, right? I mean, that was an episode you did in MTE. And so I don't think I really know the answer. I know what my answer was, you know, and that's all we can really do is is give that part of the story. But I can tell you that I've had my story, uh, you know, seconded by my clients, This is what they did for their first eight years. This is what they did for 20 years. This is what they did for six years. And it seems at some point you're going to have to give up some aspect of your life on a pretty grand scale to move your business to a place of, let's call it safer waters, where it's a little more established, where it's a little bit more, I can take a couple days off a week or whatever. But I mean, man, that took me seven, eight really hard years to get my business to that kind of safe ground. And you know, for some people, they never reach that level.
0: Time is, right, it's, it's always it's always going.
1: <laughs> it's always disappearing. There are moments where we got to question, though. The time that we're spending, is it meaningful for the future? Or are we wasting some time because, well, we just felt like it. I get it. I, I've wasted a lot of time just because I feel <laughs> like too. it, right? like yeah, I just feel sure. like blowing off a fucking day right? Just because I have it and I can, and I might've have not have even thought that I was blowing it off. It was more, I just wanted to enjoy this period and I got to do whatever I wanted. Yep. Cool. What are your clients that you've seen? Are they, are they, are they encouraging? Cause we're not going to say them because they're probably what they're, they're of age, they're fifties to sixties to seventies. They understand that that time clock is, is counting down even faster than for us. Right. But yep. what about their kids? What, what, are, What's the what's average person that, you know, is of high net worth, that's got a 20-something year old kid or a teenager, are they just the same or, or are they more focused in
2: on meaningless or meaningful? I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the shocking things to me uh, of two clients I can think of that have kids now kind of getting, going through their latter years of high school and getting into college and then some of them getting out into the workforce is they don't let their kids goof around. There's no, I have a client who's got like one of, I don't know, the, the three or five best boats in the world, yachts in the world. And I'll never forget his, his son came home from from college, graduated from a really prestigious college, comes home, he takes a job, like just like a summer gig, whatever. And, and the family's going on their summer vacation. And he's like, oh yeah, I can. And I, I got told this story like right away. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to join you in the boat. Dad goes, no, no, you're not. You took a job. What are you talking about? You're not going on a boat. You're not coming on this vacation. Like instantaneously, this guy, this kid, if he never worked again, would be in the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. But they still instill that thought process of you've made a commitment. You've said you were going to do something. You committed. You didn't, you know, this is what you're going to do. Uh, most all of them are being pushed into master's degrees and business. Uh, they are going to uh, work their ass off at whatever they do in an intelligent manner. And notice after every time I say work hard, I always say smart. You know they're going to work intelligently, but they're going to work hard. They're going to put their hours in. And the most amazing thing is is the, the learning experience now that I have a daughter and, and you have two daughters, you know you have a stepson now. Think about this the richest people in the world, you see all this thing that like their kids are hanging out on the beach and whatever. But when you actually watch it from successful families, they're pushing those kids to the limit. You know, either you're going to play sports in college, or you're going to do this, or you're going to do that. And when you make a commitment, you're not going to damage our name. You're not, you know what I mean? They, they're pretty serious about that stuff. And it isn't a lot of wasted time. Not that they don't have fun vacations or get to hop on a private jet and go ski in for Christmas or whatever that their wealth allows them to do. But it's not a lot of what I see goof off time. Have fun with your friends after the work is done. You know, After whatever you've committed to, you've done to the best of your ability. And I, I think when you look around in our industry, the question you know, you and I have asked many people that have called and said, hey, I'm going to go do this thing you ask two really simple questions and they don't have an answer to it. How's it going to help your customer? And how is it going to help the finances of your business long-term? Give me the business plan of doing these things. And if you can answer those two really intelligently with a lot of bullet points of, yeah, if I do this, it's going to lead to that, blah, blah, blah. I think it's awesome. But you'd be shocked how many people just throw time down because time away because they have it written out, I'm going to this education thing. And that's worth something. Well, tell me what it's worth. Walk me through how you see this helping your customers experience and how this puts more money into your business long term. Because aside from that, this whole idea that we're doing it for some other reason as business owners, I think is a bit of a a fallacy that people tell themselves, right? It's like, it once you waste that time, like we all have, like I have, like you have, like everyone has, it doesn't come back. And sometimes you can get so deep into wasting time in your business that you can't ever get your business to success. And I think that's where we find most detailers. Whether that be wasting time on Facebook, whether that's you know goofing off with with, with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever, and not being focused on what you have to be focused on to have a successful business. That time doesn't come back, man. And all of a sudden your business is just, you know, down another six months, not making very much money. And I I think those questions really, when I look at my mistakes, man, I didn't ask those questions enough. And that's just from my point of view, the things that I messed up. All
0: right. So an interesting one
1: that uh, we all have to have some self-motivation, right? We have to be confident of our own self. The best salesmen are always confident that they're the best salesmen. That's why they become the best. They're confident about it. And they're going to figure out what to do to make the sale. And their numbers are going to continue to rise. The, the best businesses will generally have a, a great confidence inside of what they do. And they put out, quote, unquote, the best. Well, when it comes to detailing, uh, that's kind of a weird subject. And you look around the groups and somebody will say, What's the best, quote unquote? And then there's all those different comments of, well, you can't define best, who's actually the best, what is the best? Can we have a lot of personal confidence in our own self when the industry is always not wanting somebody to be the best? I find that to be a fascinating thing to digest. But then in the same flip of the token, there's a lot of detailers that, well, they they know they're the best, and God damn it, how come you don't know that they're the best? Actually, Nick, they know everything. You can't tell them anything. They know it all. So when you look at your customer base, when I look at mine, I, I see a lot of very confident men, women, people that feel sure that they're providing the right things for their customers, whether that's product, service, place to live land, whatever it is, and they have stuff structured to make sure they do it the best way. I haven't met one that knew every single thing and you could never talk to them about anything. Fortunately, the kids this past weekend, they didn't know everything and they didn't continue to take little handfuls of sand and run across the yard while we see many that think they know it all, but they're just holding little pieces of sand and trying to run back and forth across the yard instead of developing a full-size scale business. It is a very interesting dilemma inside of our industry confidence versus knowing it all.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a fine line, right? That we all straddle. I mean, people will listen to it and say, Marty and Nick, they talk on the podcast every week and you know, they give advice and they give their thoughts on things and they think they know it all. I don't think that at all. You never hear me say things like I'm the best paint polisher in the world. And if you don't use this tool or you don't use this pad or you don't do this, you, we just don't talk that way. Uh, Cause I don't believe that I've watched people polish paint a million different ways and get great results. But I hey, think can you those- imagine?
1: Cause you said that, I mean, we've heard it where people will say, if you don't use this tool, you're not a detailer.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, we, we, we've heard a story that wasn't too long ago. and, and, again is that insecurity is that somebody trying to flex that they know something you don't know I don't know I mean I can tell you two really legitimate brands in the polishing world I mean they make good tools I mean anybody would call them reputable just because you like one tool over another I don't think it makes you a better paint polisher than someone else but there are certain people that have loyalties to brands and then they take it further but it it comes down to this it's kind of you know when you meet successful people like you said they walk around and they're confident But they never walk into a room as if they're not willing to have a conversation. And I think that's what we kind of see that plagues the detailing industry. We have a lot of people that won't come on this podcast because they don't want to have a tough public conversation. And that's not me judging them, I'm telling you things people have said. Well, it doesn't help the industry. You can look at certain groups that are completely closed off to any type of real conversation, that is a know it all type of feel. And I think, look, we have some organizations in our industry that that's what guys don't like about it. It's not that somebody's trying to pick on them. It's like, hey, man, you don't ever talk about anything that, that happens to me. And I think, again, one of the things we do on this podcast that, that I do think is you know, different than most people is, we're going to talk about some subjects that others don't want to talk about. And it's not because we think we know everything. It's like the exact opposite. We're talking about it so it can get out into the world and people will text us and DM us. Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you thought about that? Hey, this is my way of thinking about it. I think that honestly, confidence comes from understanding that you don't know everything. And you don't get bogged down in things that don't really mean anything. And I got news for you. What tool you use to polish paint doesn't mean dick in the world. It just doesn't mean anything. And so when you worry about that and you put that in, out into the world, if, if so-and-so doesn't use this type of polish or he doesn't know how to detail, that's not confidence. That's insecurity. And you're insecure that whatever it is you're doing isn't enough. I always have the same. I never even ask somebody what tool they use never comes up. I look at their work and go, "Man, that car looks great. You did a one step?" "Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome." That's kind of where it ends for me. I'm not like, "Hey, what pad do you use? What tool do you use?" How dare you? I mean, I just don't have that. And no successful detailing business owner that I respected in my career has that in them either. They just don't have that. They don't care whether you use this tool or that tool or this pad or that pad. They're just looking at the work. And they want to then know, hey, how'd you get into that edge? You said you used a six-inch tool and you got all the way into that edge. Can you show me that? That's sort of where they come from. And that's what I've come from in my career. When I look at why I got decent with a rotary, it's because of a certain guy I came across young when I was young in this, in this business that was unbelievable with the rotary. And he showed me how to get into all these nooks and crannies. And I was like, I didn't look at the tool. I didn't look at the pad. I didn't look at the compound. I wanted to see his little technique to get into that area. And, you know, that's just the way that I kind of see it is that confidence actually makes you a little bit insecure that you don't know everything, right? Because that, that's kind of what ends up happening. That's why we are so much in touch with other detailers who, who buy HyperClean. If people knew the amount of conversations we were having behind the scenes, it's not out of we don't know something. It's that we want to know more and we want to do better and we want to grow our business and we want to understand how to help you. And man, that that closed off nature is more insecurity than it is confidence.
0: It is interesting. The flip, the flip side, right? We're, we're kind of an overconfident, under
1: knowledgeable group that then wants to go. And we feel as, as an industry over the past years, there's a good segment of the industry that has then felt, okay, I should go learn from a weekend of training. I mean, I should go pay to go spend a week and get training. I don't know, and I, I'm sure it's because I'm not in the, the, the customers I have that are CEOs and presidents and owners of companies. I, I'm not in their back pocket. I'm not in their schedule. But I don't know too many of them that go away and do long trainings, but I know a lot of them that every day, and I think the stat is every day every CEO reads 10 books a year or some maybe it's 10 books a month. I don't know. It's, it's outrageous. It's some incredible number where as you want to continue to further your life, because hopefully you're not the flea in the circus that's in the cup, right? You've heard that analogy, like the flea circus, you just put a bunch of fleas into a cup, put a little piece of paper over the cup. They eventually you can pull the piece of paper away from the cup and they eventually just stop jumping out because they've reached a limit. I, I hope that for those of you that are listening, those of you that are on Facebook and other places that you'll see it that you're not one of those fleas that you don't want to eventually just have enough, you don't want to eventually have just enough. That maybe you should go further, maybe you should jump a little further. How do I jump further? How do I go higher? How do I get more? Hmm. Is it from a weekend of training or is it daily Maybe even some people hourly, but at least daily reading, writing, or if you're like me and you can't do either one of those, trust me, Nick knows. Uh, I'd like to then listen. So whether it's podcast, but I recommend and tell people all the time, go listen to audio books while you're polishing paint, while you're driving, while whatever it is that you're doing, listening to audio books. and. You're going to run out of a quick, short segment if it's strictly detailing audio books. I don't know if there's more than one or two. Go find, if you're struggling to hire people, go, go listen to books about hiring. Go listen no. to books about team management. Anytime there's been something in my mind that I've gone, okay, I, I want to personally get better at as well as I think that the business needs to get better at, I've spent time listening to books on the subject. I might listen to three or four just on sales, just on closing, just on how to tell a story so that you can sell a product. Yeah. Right? There's there's all different types of things that we can continue because I know not every detailer is incredible at sales, not every detailer is incredible at management, not every detailer is incredible at every single thing, every facet of a business. So, how and I guess maybe what have you seen? Let's yeah. toss that back and forth. Continued education versus weekend trainings that are going to solve everything in a, our detailing business.
2: Well, as a beginner, you got to get a baseline, right? If you start out, you've never really detailed professionally. There's definitely reasons to go get credible, you know, understanding of how to do a correct one-step polish, right? And what we've concentrated on in our industry is keep telling people, and it's almost like it's a cycle of people trying to maybe make a little coin, not saying everybody, but there's a cycle of, we, we think after you have this baseline of skill set, you got to go and you got to get more and more training or you're going to lose business because of that. Well, every time I ask somebody a question, say, okay, you know how to do a complete one step? You tell me you know how to two-step, and you're going to some other polishing thing now. Okay, how does that help your customers? How does that make you more money? I never get a good answer. And I've asked this in the last year and a half, probably 30 or 40 different times. It's never a good answer. Now, once I have a baseline of polishing paint, let me tell you what's going to make you great at polishing paint. Polishing more paint and paying attention to your results, and making sure you understand your technique is dialed in, but continuing to go and learn about paint polishing, everybody calls that skills acquisition, but you're acquiring skills that are no more marketable to your customer, right? So my business doesn't grow because I keep going and getting polishing training. Yeah, that's
0: what I was going to say.
1: Have you explain that a little bit more? What, what What do you mean by that? I should go learn
2: things that Say it one more time. That'd be beneficial. Yes, everybody's gonna say you need to keep acquiring skills. That's the whole thing that we have in our business, right? That's it's unfortunate that it's so prevalent now. But, but here's, skills could be
1: a couple different things, right? Are you saying strictly just skills that go involved with the car cleaning?
2: The actual yeah, like work? let's let's say you got a basis of a really complete way to clean an interior. To go and learn fifty more things about cleaning the interior is not gonna make your business 50 times more successful. You're going to only get incremental returns. Once I know how to detail an interior and once I know how to hold a polisher, operate a polisher, get a result of paint correction, if I keep going to more and more trainings, I'm not going to see that money on the back end. I'm just going to be investing time in a skill that doesn't make my customers uh, any more happy and doesn't bring any more finances into my business. So this isn't saying don't get better at those things, but you'll naturally get better as you detail more cars. It's not going to just come from a training. okay? It's just not. And again, I know people think that this is picking on that stuff. Folks, I got a four-year engineering degree. I believe in training. That's the ultimate training is a valuable college degree. But I also know people in my life that got a four-year liberal arts degree that can't make over 50 grand a year. And here's the I, I, lo-
1: I love my liberal arts degree, man. I, I well, know you don't, but, but here's the I, thing I think it's, it's not, great.
2: It's not marketable on the scale of being a doctor, being a lawyer, being those types of things. But right? Nick, so it got not me, all trainings are created equal.
1: It got me that piece of paper that sits at my house somewhere, I think in my garage.
2: Yeah, it's brill- been really important to your career. I the can house. see that. Yes. So that's my point is that, again, I believe in that stuff. I'm going to push my daughter to those things. But I'm also realistic. She's not going to get a music degree on my dollar. It's not happening. She can go get a music degree with her own money. But if I'm paying for it, it's going to be something valuable in the marketplace. And the same goes for detailing if you're going to get training. How is this going to put you in a position to make more money? And you should be able to identify that prior to ever going to the training. Because you should have a plan in your head. I'm going to this training because I know this, this, and this are going to happen if I go to this training and get this skill set, right? Let's say you're a car detailing company in the Gulf States and you have no clue how to detail a boat. Going to Mike Phillips Boat Detailing, guess what you can say? I'm going to have the confidence. I'm going to do these three things. I'm going to go get all these boat clients that I don't have today. That is a game changer for you in in that business, Correct. It's not hard to understand, but people take offense when you say there's a limit to all of this. Sooner or later, once you have the baseline skill set, it's all going to be about what you do individually. So, if I was going to tell somebody the skill set I would want before I ever learn to detail a car, I'd say, dude, if you were a great salesperson, your detailing business is going to take off. Go learn those skills really quickly. Fire your business up. You're an incredible salesperson. You're going to get to a million dollars in revenue faster than anybody else.
0: How? Why? Why
1: is
2: it more important to sell people than to to be able to polish the paint? Yeah, because here's the deal Henry Ford never built the best car. He built the best factory that built the cars the fastest, that then got the cars to the dealership that then sold the most cars.
1: But Nick, I'm a detailer. And I've got to have the most pristine. It's got to be perfect.
2: That's, that's great. And, and if you can, here's the thing. If you can find a way to financially capitalize on that, then that's great for your business, right? There's a select few people in our business that make a lot of money to polish paint. Mind you, here's the interesting part. What do all those people do now besides polish paint?
0: They train people. So if they were
2: making all this money polishing paint, why would they be training you? Because they reached a limit. Not because they're bad people, because they reached a ceiling. Just remember, the only thing that's going to matter to your business's growth is marketing and sales and your ability to complete a job. Once you can complete the job, you going and trying to get some extra skill that you haven't thought through of how you're going to monetize that skill, That means that it's not worthy of being in your business. But it is fascinating to me that all of these great paint polishers, a lot of whom I respect the hell out of their skill set, they've all turned to you paying them to learn how to polish paint because they've reached a ceiling in earning potential because they can't find enough customers to do that elite level work. They can lie all they want. None of them would come on here and argue me because I would ask them, the greatest sports gambler in the world is not going to sell you his picks. He's just going to make money gambling on sports. That's what he's going to do. He's not going to give you away the information. So if there was that much money in it, you just keep opening up detail shop after detail. shop. You just go city to city and kill it, open it up because you have this really rare skill. But realize in the car market, man, there's not that many people chasing that. So once you become really good at polishing paint, continuing to try to take that skill set to the next level where you can't monetize it. If you want to do it for your own sanity and you love it, great, but don't do it under the guise of you're making your business better because that's, that's just not exactly facts.
1: Have you seen, I mean, I guess now, right. It, it has changed as technology has continued to evolve. What I would imagine, you know, free Amazon destroying the the local book cultures might've seen more books in people's cars. Do you still see books in in people's cars or is it less? Is everybody on a
2: Kindle or no, no, my older uh, really successful clients have a ton of books in their car. You know, again, not at all times, but you'll come across things that have nothing to do with the company they own. It's just, they're trying to learn from somebody else's theory on money. They're trying to learn from somebody else's team building, Uh, You know, I uh, recently we saw somebody's reading about the Patriots dynasty and, you know, again, he's just trying to pick something up one or two things out of that book that can kind of help him in his life. He's not trying to pick up a thousand different things. I don't think he's just trying to keep his mind sharp, make sure he's on top of things, make sure he's topical, make sure he understands what's going on. I, I think there's a variety of reasons of why people do it. And a lot of it's decompression and learning. You know, when you sit down and you read a book for some of these CEOs, it's probably only quiet time they get in their life, as well as they can pick up a thing or two that can maybe help them with their team, help them with the decision they're trying to make, whatever. It doesn't have to be any more difficult than that. It's not like you're going to read a book and magically be the smartest person in the world. You're just trying to pick up little things that help you along the way. You're not trying to pick up a hundred things out of a book, just a thing here and there. And that's the same argument I have with guys about training. Hey, man, go to training, but don't try to pick up the whole system. Pick up a couple things that fit what you're doing and be a little bit more intelligent about it and realize nobody has the full answer for you. Nobody's in your area. Nobody has your background. Nobody has your skill set. You're unique in that way. And you got to think through this and say, hey man, I'm just going to pick up a couple things from this training. And those are the people that do have success. And again, I'm not telling you not to go to training. You're going to hear that by the words I'm saying and say, oh, he doesn't like, again, no. I've had a lot of people teach me in my life. But I also know there's a place where you got to draw the line and say, it's time for me to put stuff into action and get some results out of my business before I continue. We have guys in this industry, Marty, you and I have come across them. They're addicted to going to trainings. They're not addicted to growing their business. They're addicted to con- consistently being at some type of training, tricking themselves into thinking they're doing something positive year over year. They're not seeing any growth in their business. It's just a fallacy. And it, it's become an issue in our business. And people can say it's not, but I can pick out the same people at these five trainings. And I'm like, that guy was just at this training. That guy, I mean, what, what is he doing here?
0: All right. Closing thoughts on paying attention.
1: For me, paying attention is, well, (laughs) interesting, right? I don't pay attention very good if I'm sitting down in one spot and have to just, quote, unquote, pay attention. My mind doesn't exactly work like that. I might be paying attention to five different things. Might be why I actually enjoyed sitting down. I'm a pretty good husband, I guess, if I can sit down and just... World record
2: has been broken.
1: Watch a documentary, or was I paying attention a little bit, thinking about some other things? And you know, like I said, it's hard for me to pay attention. But if I did, here's the things that I would pick up. This is the interesting part of my closing thoughts. It's very difficult to pay attention to other people because sometimes you start to judge. You might look at somebody and go, I can't. You might look at somebody and go, there's no way I could ever. so you might just continue down the path that you're on. You might just do what you've been doing because that's what feels comfortable. You might not want to read a book every week. You might not want to listen to a book every month. You might not want to, as Nick said, wake up early or not miss a workout. You might not want to not eat that cheeseburger or drink that Coke, right? Like, There's a lot of things that you could be doing differently, but you're just choosing to keep doing it the way you want to do it because you know what? It's just my life and I'm going to do it this way. Paying attention many times does mean sacrifice, which is why we don't like to pay attention. We would rather go listen to somebody tell us what we should or shouldn't do instead of looking around, analyzing, digesting, and then telling myself what I can or can't or
0: shouldn't do and what I should do. Maybe paying attention for you might be paying attention to the way you talk to yourself. Maybe
1: as you heard, you understood that, well, self-motivation, that a lot of people that are in successful situations, they're confident. They're excited about themselves. They're excited about their business and their life. And you go... I'm not excited about that. I don't like this. And you start beating yourself up over past decisions that you make that got you to this point. Your self-confidence might need to be you starting to tell yourself you're actually okay. You're going to make it. You're going to be all right. There's all kinds of ways that you might need to pay attention. For me, well, I'm going to keep paying attention to the Pines of Polish podcast. God damn it. i tell you would. And I'm going to join the community pub every Wednesday night at 730 Central. The Zoom ID is 918 1188 And there are plenty of people that come on that regularly are paying attention. We're asking questions. We're talking back and forth. And it's a great place to go
0: and connect. So, Nick, closing thoughts on paying attention.
2: It's free. You know, uh, paying attention's free. And there's going to be people, you know, I screwed it up in my career at times. Uh, I held my business back the first couple of years because I didn't pay attention to some simple things that were going on. Team members, that type of thing. Didn't understand what I was looking at on some of it. But a lot of it was just, I just wasn't stepping back and paying attention to what was going on. And I think for a lot of guys, man, I'm not saying any of this stuff to preach at anybody. I mean, I don't know everything. I don't pretend to know everything, but I'm willing to have a conversation about everything that I've learned. And say that there are some pretty simple facts that if you go back and listen to our MTE episodes that Marty and everybody did such a great job on, and you really pay attention to the episodes, you can figure out who are people you want to follow or should follow and who you shouldn't. Go and listen to who contradicted themselves in their own 45-minute episode. Go listen to the people that didn't have anything valuable to say, not because they aren't. Nice people or informative people. But because when they were asked tough questions, they didn't really have an answer. It was just general discussion. It was like, oh, well, you know, work really hard. That's just bad advice. And it's not valuable. So, what I would tell guys to do is an actionable thing you can do is go listen to the MTE podcast and pay attention to who actually said something of value. And who sat up on that stage and just said nonsense, just said generalities, didn't answer questions. Or when they did, they had to contradict themselves. It's not because somebody's a bad person, but that's part of paying attention. Who's saying what and who should I listen to and who should I align myself with is going to come from paying attention. And I've screwed it up in my life. We all screw it up, but you, you can always get better at it and it's completely free. And it doesn't matter if you went to college or you went to high school or you didn't graduate high school or you graduated college. I know some people that have got law degrees that can't pay attention worth a damn about what's going on around them and how to capitalize on it. And that's the final thought. When you pay attention to a high level, you can capitalize on things that other people don't, which puts more money and more food in your family's mouth. Too often we're scared to say that, I think, that you're in business to make money. Stop with the woe is me and stop with I'm doing things out of the goodness of our hearts or you know what, Marty, I'm just here to help. That's all bullshit. At some point, you got to feed your family and you got to build a future and you got to buy a house and you got to do all these things that cost a lot of money. So it's okay to pay attention with the thought process of how does this help my business? Doesn't make you selfish, makes you have a clue. Like, wow, this guy's on top of it. And when you pay attention, magically, you're going to see opportunity everywhere. You're not going to panic and you're going to know exactly what to do when opportunity shows itself. Hyperclean only exists as it exists today because I paid attention. Marty, you had a lot of people around you that didn't pay attention. They could have been a part of Hyperclean. They could have been building a company like this. They could have been influential. They didn't pay attention. Only reason I'm here is because I paid attention. I think it's valuable. And that's why we did today's episode, because everybody thinks there's some kind of golden answer. That's the answer. Open your eyes, open your ears, shut your mouth, watch what successful people do. Really successful people, not people that tell you they're successful on the internet. You'll find out. It's almost the same across the board. Go to work every day, (laughs) make smart investments, buy assets, not liabilities. I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple formula, but I only got that from paying attention. So I hope you guys got something out of this episode because it's not just about detailing a car. And I know that some of you want us to geek out on the newest product revive, but we've already done that enough. We want to thank everybody. Marty, thanks for, uh, doing an amazing job with the team back at HQ, getting all that revive out to people. I know I know, it was an unbelievable week for us, so we can't really thank everyone enough. It was
0: fun, wasn't it? Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> crazy. It was a crazy week. I mean, guys, you just can't believe it on our end. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to put into words. Like, everyone that listens to us, everybody that's involved in the Facebook specialist group, I mean, it's amazing. And we're starting to build something here that I think guys can see that we have genuine thought behind what we're doing and answering some questions out there in the market. So it's pretty fun. Purpose
0: plays the long tail.
2: Oh, there you go. Oh, it's not, uh, sorry. I yeah, thought it's not passion,
0: else. man. It's not passion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick, uh, have a great week, brother.
2: Bro. Talk to you. Talk to you.
0: Hey community. Thanks so much for listening on a discussion. Well, where are you? Where are you on it all at? When you look around, what do you see? The cool thing has
1: been those of you here in the community. Some of you have started to look around your local area and you've gone, hmm, I think I can do chemical distribution better. I think I see an opportunity here to sell some products. And they're seeing and understanding. They're asking questions and they're looking around and then they're taking that step forward. and it's. Listen, it's a blast, weekly, (laughs) multiple times a week even. Those of you that listen to the episodes, it is awesome that you're then looking around, you're seeing, you're understanding where you can make an impact, where you can be
0: a distributor. I built my local distribution company up to half a million dollars. And I want that for you. You want to be a part? Shoot us an Instagram message at Store,
1: or send us a text, 918-800-1188. And let's start that journey
0: for yourself of how you can look around, understand, and then take advantage of it, right?
1: Let me have a shovel for you. You don't need to just carry sand around with your hands. Next thing you know, we'll have a bulldozer. <laughs> hey, this is Marshall.
0: I hope that you have a great day. No, better yet, go make it a great day.